0: You are listening to the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 61. Welcome to the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, Hey! thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie and welcome to episode 61. I am so excited to bring you another inspiring interview. My guest today has built and sold multiple six and seven figure online businesses and he is a master at memberships. But before we dive into the interview, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, I want to welcome you. I am Monica Louie. I'm a Facebook and Instagram ads strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $2.5 million in ad spend and served more than 1,000 students and clients. We are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. The goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business And as I said, my guest today is a master at memberships. He's a great friend and a whole lot of fun. Today's guest is Shane Sams. Along with his wife, Jocelyn, they make up the dynamic duo behind FlippedLifestyle.com. Shane and Jocelyn are former school teachers. And after years of bad bosses, job losses, and frustration at work, they started an online business. That business made it possible to quit their jobs, spend more time with family, and earn millions in passive income online, all while working only 10 to 15 hours per week. Now they're helping other families do the same by connecting with people through their Flipped Lifestyle podcast website and inside their Flip Your Life community. In this interview, Shane and I go way back into their incredible story of getting started online and the hardships they endured. And we talk a lot about how to create a successful membership program and why it's probably not as hard as you think. This is one of the most inspiring interviews I've ever done, so I want to get right into it. As always, you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at com slash 61. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 61. All right, here's my interview with Shane Sams from flippedlifestyle.com and membershipmasters.com. Hey, Shane. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you as a guest on the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast. Welcome.
1: I am ready to flourish, Monica Louie. I'm here <laughs> for the flourishing. That's what I'm here for. I'm ready to flourish. Let's go. Let's flourish.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, I always love chatting with you, Shane. I love your energy. So can you share you know, who you are, what you do for those listening that may not know who you are and what you do?
1: Alright. My name is Shane Sams. I am the co-host of the Flipped Lifestyle Podcast with my wife, Jocelyn, and what we do now is we help real people find and use their God-given talents to build membership businesses. But about eight to ten years ago, let's see what was it? 2012 is 2020. So eight years ago, I was a school teacher. I was a football coach, and uh, my wife was an elementary school librarian. <laughs> so we were as far removed from online business coaches and teachers um, as you could be. I was teaching people about Abraham Lincoln and how to block football plays. That's what I was doing every day of my life. And, um, I'll tell you what happened. I one day, I was getting ready to go to work, and you know, like everybody else who had kids, small kids at the time, we used to take our kids to daycare before we went to school every day. And uh, my son was about three years old at the time, and he uh, you know, he was going to daycare every day, and over a couple of weeks, he started like not wanting to go inside the daycare. He was screaming, he was going crazy, and you know, we didn't know what was going on. We thought it was just because he was like separation. He was a kid, he was a little kid, he didn't want to go in there. And all of a sudden, he just blurted out, she hurts me. I don't want to go in there. And uh, and I said, what do you mean she hurts you? And he said, she hurts me. And he told me the name of the person. And I would find out that they were actually locking my son in a bathroom to punish him uh, for potty training accidents. And every day I was just dropping off and I didn't know this. And we found out later they were doing all kinds of horrific things inside this daycare center to the kids. And um, at that moment, I realized that I had to get him out of that situation i had to you know figure something out so i took him to another daycare facility and i called my principal i uh, couldn't get a hold of them went to school went into the principal's office said can i have the day off i need to take care of this i just figured out this terrible situation i just you know told him what had happened and my boss told me no you cannot have the day off if your son's not in immediate danger right now you are going to have to handle your personal problems after work and uh So I stood there for a minute. I thought about flipping his desk over. I thought about just flipping the table and saying, I'm leaving anyway. But um, what happened was, I I, I left that day. I actually got reprimanded. I got in really bad trouble. But I was so furious and so disgusted with that situation that I made a decision in the car on the way back to my son that day that I was going to find another way to make a living. I was going to find a way to not have to give total control of my life to somebody else because I was basically trading all of my freedom for a steady paycheck and some insurance. And it was in that moment that I realized I had made a horrific bargain uh, with my employer. So that's what sent me down the rabbit hole of online business. And that's kind of you know how we got into what we do today.
0: Wow. Gosh. That's such a powerful story that... I mean, first of all, I'm glad that you took quick action to get your son out of that situation. But that's horrible the way that your principal reacted yeah it was
1: pretty bad like i you know it was kind of like when i put the pieces together and he said she hurts me and i was like and we kind of got the backstory and and some of this we pieced together later what all the things that were going on in there like one they were taking beanbag chairs and when a kid would like be getting rowdy or misbehave the owner of the daycare would put the beanbag chair on the kid and sit on them Oh my god! And, and would not like let them up right and isaac you know to this day he still has like claustrophobia scared of the dark like things like that like he's 11 years old now you know but back then like we couldn't get him to go into a bathroom we couldn't get him to go into a dark room and like not normal 3 to 4 year old scared stuff right and it was like it was just terrible like the the scarring nature of that event like we still have the aftermath with it today but like when i went to work that day i thought if you tell someone this is happening, I mean, this person had kids, you know what I'm saying? Like they had to understand that this was a, a huge situation, but it was just an inconvenience. And, and where I, I had taken Isaac to my daughter's daycare, which was another facility, but they weren't licensed for anybody over two years old. And, and I told them that as and I was like, I can't leave them there. Like the only reason they agreed is because I know the lady that runs the right. Like, like there was no way to like get through to her. And, I'll never forget the way she told me. The lady that was there wore glasses, right? My main principal was a guy and I couldn't get a hold of him. So I went to an assistant principal and then she wore glasses and she slowly took her glasses off and laid them down and like leaned back in her chair like she was going to scold me. (laughs) And then just like real coolly and calmly said, I don't have time to watch your class. There's no more subs available today. We're too far into the school day. You're going to have to deal with this on your own. And I was like, What? Like I was, I did not expect that reaction, which is, I think, why I just walked out and left. But they wrote me up later. I had a little thing where I left, I left my duties, and uh, they actually wrote me up for that. (laughs) And I was like, "Why? Like, what's the point?" You know. But I'll never regret doing that because I remember distinctly looking in the rearview mirror on the way back to my son, and I promised myself, as deep in my soul as possible, that somehow, some way, I would get out of that situation. I didn't know what to do, right? I had to pay my bills. I couldn't just quit my job, you know? And it took me a few months to actually get to the point where I even found something that might work, you know? But that moment really solidified to me that I had to find some way to take care of my family and make my own income and become and stay self-employed.
0: So then where did you go from there? How did you start learning about online business or how did you even figure out that that was the way to go?
1: Well, a few months later, I was mowing my grass. I was sitting on a lawnmower. I had one of those... Uh, you know, I got the cheap lawnmower from Lowe's. You know what I'm saying? The Troy Bill one, not the good John Deere one. So I was riding around shaking on my no shocks lawnmower. And I was listening to podcasts. I knew that I had to start some kind of business. But me and Jocelyn had talked about all kinds of options that just didn't work out. Like, first of all, we hate MLMs. We didn't want to do any of the MLM stuff. Like we immediately rejected that because we didn't want to be harassing our friends and getting into that Pyramid scheme world, or whatever. And then we looked at even physical real world businesses. Like Jocelyn bought a sewing machine and she started sewing curtains. And we were trying to sell them like on eBay and stuff. And I don't even remember if Etsy was there. Maybe we didn't know about Etsy, but we were trying to sell these curtains on eBay. And she actually made a couple of them. But like the problem was she was terrible at sewing. So that didn't work. And then we thought, well, let's open a consignment store, right? We just will do a consignment store. But then we started looking at like, rent and brick and mortar stuff. And like, that was too expensive. We didn't have any extra money. We were school teachers in Southeast Kentucky, but I'd started listening to all these business podcasts to try to come up with ideas. I I wasn't even listening to music on my phone anymore. I was just desperately searching for any kind of idea. Well, one day I was flipping through the podcast and I saw this podcast where these two little eyeballs, this guy was like looking over the bottom of the screen and I was like, who is this joker? And his name was Pat Flynn. And he has a podcast called the smart passive income podcast with Pat Flynn. I went to his website and I saw him holding his son and his son and my son are the same age. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'm gonna listen to this guy. And on that episode, and this was when Pat first started out, he's a really big podcaster now, but this is when he first started out. So he didn't have a huge following yet. On that specific episode, I don't even remember what number it was. He was talking about how he got started. He had created a study guide to pass an architecture licensing test and he had built a blog and he had built an email list and he sent an email to his list and said, hey, would anyone wanna buy this study guide? And it was just a PDF, like he had saved a PDF. And basically if they bought it you know, for like you know, 50 bucks, he sent them the PDF and they got to go and study for the architecture desk. And when he said that out loud, Monica, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I almost wrecked my lawnmower. I lived on a hill and almost crashed it like right off of the side of the thing. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's how we can build a business. And it was so funny because just a few weeks before that, like a couple weeks maybe, I was in the car with Jocelyn and I looked out the window and I said, What if I could get a hundred people to send us fifty dollars? And she goes, What? And I go, Yeah. I go, we make about sixty thousand dollars a year. Like we bring home. About five thousand bucks with both of our salaries put together. Like you make twenty five hundred bucks, I make twenty five hundred bucks. That's five thousand bucks. If you could get a hundred people to give you fifty dollars, you'd make sixty thousand dollars a year. You'd have five thousand dollars a month. What if we could get someone to do that? And she said, "Yeah, but how? How is that even possible? How can you do that?" And I'm like, "I don't know," but I said it out loud, so it's probably true. And when I heard Pat say. Yeah, I sent it out and a bunch of people bought and I made like nine thousand dollars and I made and I started emailing these PDFs out. I was like, that's it. That's how we can get a hundred people to pay us fifty dollars. So I jumped off the lawnmower, I ran inside, and I told Jocelyn everything that I just told you. And she basically laughed at me and said, Go mow the grass. <laughs> so, you know, because I still didn't have an idea. I didn't know what I was gonna do, right? But I did know that i had knowledge and i had experience and i had god given talents right and there had to be something that i could tap into just like pat tapped into his background as an architect to create his first digital product i could tap into our backgrounds as teachers as coaches as whatever and that we we could figure out something to go out there and sell online <laughs> but it was a disaster at first it didn't work <laughs> it took me a while to figure it out
0: so wait so your first idea cuz i've i mean i've followed your success over the last few years and so very successful businesses multiple businesses now so what was the first idea that was such a disaster
1: are you sure you want to hear this all <laughs> right so so i didn't know what to do at first right but i did know like i did know that i could make people laugh like i always posted memes and funny stuff on facebook and and you know and i and i, and I always was kind of a jokester with my friends things like that so i was like okay well maybe i can make people laugh I don't know if I've ever told this story, Monica, anywhere else before. So, the first thing that I did was a blog based around my kids. It was called Toddler Apocalypse. Okay. It was literally called toddlerapocalypse.com. And it was a dad blog. And I started like watching all these, you know, these dad bloggers and things like that. And I would basically post things about my kids. And then I would try to, you know, my long term plan was to create parenting stuff and all this but basically it was just kind of a halfway done blog with a bunch of random google adsense all over it <laughs> right and as you can expect from something that patchwork patchwork together it didn't do very well but like i i would post pictures of my son and the reason i came up with that idea is because me and my wife were at a pizza place one night okay And I looked and my son was sitting to my left. My little girl was in a car seat still. She was still a baby. And Jocelyn was sitting straight across from me. And we were eating breadsticks waiting for our pizza, right? And you know the pizza holders that have like four legs and they're made of like cast iron and they they raise the pizza like above the table? Like, so I look over and Isaac's playing with that. But it's real like big. I don't think, I mean, what's going to happen, right? He's like playing with it. So I'm. I, I, I will never forget this. I dipped the, a breadstick in pizza sauce, and I was bringing it up to my mouth, and I heard Isaac say, "Look, Daddy, I'm the king." Uh-oh. And I looked over, and he had flipped over the pizza holder, and he had pulled it on his head like a crown. I thought that's adorable. Jocelyn, <laughs> take a take a picture of this, right? And the picture is hysterical. In fact, if you want me to, I'll send you the picture.
0: Like, I would love that.
1: She caught the picture right when his smile turned into horror because he had pulled it down too far and it got stuck on his skull and like Aww. he and he had all these leaves and like it was like it was like cutting him but like he had somehow pulled it right over his temple and he had stretched it apart and then let go and it went thunk and it like caught onto his head and then right after she takes that picture isaac goes it's stuck and i went what and he goes he just screams at the top of his lungs right in the middle of this Italian restaurant, and I'm like, and I reach over and I start pulling it off, and I'm like, oh my god, Jocelyn, it's stuck, and this thing weighs like five pounds, like his head's like bobbling, like bobbing left and out. so I, it, this is crazy, like so people start looking over, and I'm like, it's okay, we got this, and I lay him in my lap, and I, I'm pulling it off, I'm like, Jocelyn, I cannot get this off, and she goes, oh my god. So Jocelyn gets the olive oil that you dip the bread in and she's pouring it on Isaac's head. And we're like oiling his head trying to get this thing off. And every time I pull it, Isaac goes, ah, ah, like, right. So like, I'm like, Oh my God. So this lady comes running over and goes, don't worry. I called an ambulance and I'm Jocelyn goes, Oh my gosh. And so we're like, we're literally one street down from the hospital. So we jump in the van I have another picture I took at a red light because I document everything. And like I I reached over and Jocelyn's holding his head so it doesn't bobble while we're driving in the car seat. And like I get Isaac out. I pick him up. I run into the emergency room. This girl looks up from the counter and her eyes get so big. She just gets up and doesn't even say anything and goes and opens the emergency room doors and lets us walk right back in there. And from that moment on, it was total chaos. Like the whole wing. No one knew if Isaac they didn't know what was going on they didn't know if this metal thing had impaled his skull or like whatever and all these doctors are in there and, and we can't get this thing off they're like lubing his head with ky jelly and like trying anything we can it's horrific like i walked out i was so overwhelmed for a second i walked out the emergency room and this dude like leaned out like pulling an IV, and he looked like he was about to die he was like what's going on down there two of the nurses started crying like right in the middle of the emergency is terrible and finally, these EMTs come in and they they use bolt cutters to cut this thing off of Isaac's head, right? So he, he was fine. He was okay. He was exhausted. Anyway, and I I, and I told Jocelyn, I said, man, that was like the apocalypse in there. And I was like, wait a minute. That would be a good name for a blog. And so like, that's exactly why we started this blog. Like, because this was like, you know, like, what do your toddlers get you into? Like, if we were going through this, someone else had to have gone through that. So I started this blog where I just started, you know, when the kids would bust open flower, I would take pictures of it. When they Anything they did when they took the Sharpie and wrote all over each other, whatever. And my goal was to get people to share their pictures too, like have some user-generated content or whatever. Right. And um well, anyway... Nobody read my blog. <laughs> I followed my blog. Nobody clicked on anything on my blog. And I worked on this thing for like months and months and it, nothing happened. And Jocelyn was just finally like, I told you those are scammers. You know, there's something different about them. We can't do that. Right. So it just it didn't work at all. But it was it was kind of it was fun to make though.
0: So wow. Well I'm glad again, I'm glad your son's okay.
1: <laughs> didn't see um, that one coming, did you? No. <laughs> right. My son has had a very traumatic experience, oh, you know, my in goodness. the last 10 years. <laughs>
0: Okay so where did you go from there though then after toddler apocalypse and that didn't take off so then what made you keep going till to, to try other ideas
1: well the cool thing was like when you start and you try you learn how to do all the stuff so like the first 5 or 6 months is really hard cuz you're trying to figure out like how to start a website how to do a blog how to get the you know what i'm saying like all the little mechanical things the tech and stuff right so i got so good at that just practicing with toddler apocalypse that i was like I could probably create another website really fast, right? A week or two. I could try new ideas faster. Does that make sense? So, right. like, so I, I knew that idea was not going to work. And I didn't want to go down that road. And then I realized my kids weren't always going to be toddlers. So that's probably a problem. So I decided to go do something that was a little like more evergreen or more stable. So I started thinking back to Pat's story. And I said, well, Pat created content about his old life. He used to be an architect what's my life right now? What can I talk about? Like, What are my current God-given talents and experiences that I can tap into and use to start this online business? And I was a history teacher. That's what I spent most of my time doing was planning lessons, doing stuff like that. So I actually started this website called ushistoryworksheets.com, which would later become one of our businesses, which is called ushistoryteachers.com. So what it was... I still didn't tap into the selling products like Pat did. I don't know why. I think I was afraid to charge for a PDF or charge for these documents. So I was kind of like, well, I'll just go the ad route. And I won't have to deal with that uncomfortableness of asking people for money. Right. So I would create the page and I would put a worksheet on it, like Abraham Lincoln worksheet, Civil War worksheet, whatever. And then I put Google ads and affiliate links and stuff like that. It was the spammiest scammiest website like I can't be, it's no wonder it didn't make any money at the beginning because if you saw this website you'd be like I can't even find the worksheet so and I would pick ads that looked like the links they've download now so they would accidentally try to click it but that didn't even work I was terrible at this Monica in the beginning so like that's what I did I started this works and I just every day I would just put a new worksheet up every day and just started building content started putting it together but again nothing worked. It just, I couldn't get traffic. I couldn't make any money. I couldn't do anything to prove that this was real. And I was getting extremely frustrated, like extremely frustrated. So one night I was laying there. I was doing this all over the summer. We were about to go back to school. You know, school was about to kick back up again. And the kids were in bed. Jocelyn and I were laying there one night and I was so frustrated. I mean, you ever been in like that situation where you're like so depressed, you're like laying on your back in your bed, You've got like one pillow, but it's the flat pillow. It's not really the good pillow you sleep on, you know. And your chin is kind of tucked into your thing, and your computer's like sitting on your chest, and you're just all depressed, and you're like trying to slide the mouse with your chin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Like you just laying there. I was, I was just so mad. I was like reaching over, and like just refresh. Nothing. Any traffic? Nah. Any money? Nah. No. There's nothing, right? So I, I'm just so frustrated. I shut my computer and flipped it off my chest and I got up and I went to the bathroom and I was brushing my teeth, getting ready to go to bed. And I remember I, I didn't even turn the light on, Monica, when I walked into the bathroom. I was so down on myself. So I'm, I barely can see myself in the moonlight, in my own mirror and the light coming from the other room. And I just stopped and I just prayed and I said, God, is this real? Like, I have moved mountains trying to learn this. And I have put so much effort into this and nothing is happened. I've not made a dime. I have not made a penny. I've not made anything. And, you know, is this Pat Flynn guy? Is he full of crap? He's full of crap. There's no way he really did this. Like so I'm starting to rationalize my own failure at this point. And I just basically pray and I said, give me a sign. Like if this is real, keep going. If it's not real, just tell me I'll take my lot in life. I've got, you know, 18 more years to retirement. I'll just suffer through it and deal with it so I was going back to bed and right before I laid down, I was picking up my computer and I said, I'm going to check one more time. So I opened my computer and I hit refresh on my analytics. And to my shock and amazement, where there had been a zero in my AdSense account before I hit refresh, when it came back, there was 11 cents. Somebody somehow had went to my spammy website and they had clicked a link and I had got an 11 cent. Ad click, but it felt like a million dollars. It felt like aliens had come down and I was seeing the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I jumped up and started going crazy. And like, Jocelyn's like looking up over a book, like, she doesn't know what's going on. And she's like, be quiet. You're going to wake the kids up. And I'm like, I don't care. Look, this is real. Like, I created content and somebody clicked it and sent money back. And like, this is only 11 cents, but like, what if it was? A hundred people giving you eleven cents, or a hundred people giving you eleven dollars, or what about eleven hundred people giving us fifty dollars? Like, if we can do this, then we can do that. Like, this is real, and all we have to do is figure out what will work better than this. And I thought, as I was saying it, I thought, man, my wife probably thinks I'm insane. This is a dime and a penny. This is couch cushion money, right? It's something you find at the grocery store on the floor, and. I remember very clearly Jocelyn's head tilting, and her eyes kind of squinting, and she just stared at the screen for a minute or two. And finally, she looked up and said, what else can we do? And that's when it really hit, like we, we kind of started planning out like a real plan, like, well, what's Pat Flynn doing? Let's watch the magician's hands. Let's see if we can really learn the trick and not just see the result, right? And that's when we started looking at, oh, well, we have to create content that's behind a paywall and we have to charge for this. And then maybe we could charge monthly for access to all of this content so that we could create stable, predictable income. And we started putting the pieces together by deconstructing what other successful people were doing. And that's when we said, wait a minute, it's not U.S. history worksheets. It's U.S. history teachers. And you have to log in you know, to get lesson plans for every day. And then it's elementarylibrarian.com. librarian.com. She also started a librarian site for selling these big intense lesson plans. And it wasn't really just the content. It was the like, what was the benefit of doing this? And that, you know, hey, you never have to plan a lesson again. You get to go home at three o'clock and you, don't, and you get to spend time with your kids instead of slaving all, all this stuff. So we started putting the pieces together bit by bit once we realized that it was real from that first 11 cents.
0: So what year was this when you got the 11 cents and then the spark of inspiration?
1: It was 2012. That was July of 2012. And all of that had happened with Isaac back in the winter the year before.
0: Wow.
1: So I, I tried three or four months, failed. Tried three or four months, fail. Oh, 11 cents. And then within, very quickly after that, because at this point, I had learned how to... I could create a website a weekend, Right. So like we fired up Jocelyn's blog and we fired up her Facebook page and Jocelyn went, she did a really good job of she batched a bunch of content and scheduled it out on her blog. She built an email list from day one. That's something I had never put on any of our websites, but I knew it was a mistake, right? And like so, when she launched her blog and we launched U.S. History Teachers, we immediately were collecting emails. So, Jocelyn's Facebook page really blew up because she added all of her elementary librarian friends. And then they added all of their elementary librarian friends. And then they all added their friends. And all of a sudden, Jocelyn had this little following on Facebook of 500 to 1,000 people. And then Jocelyn immediately offered them a free lesson pack and they opted in. And we built this little baby list of like 250 people in like six weeks because we were just really hustling at this point. Like we were. You know, every message, every person. We were, you know, going to other elementary blogs and other places and we were typing in, you know, responses and anywhere we could go to connect with that avatar, we did. And then very quickly, Jocelyn said, Hey, what if I make a month of lessons? Do you think anyone will buy it? And I said, I don't know. Let's ask them to buy it first. And if they say yes, we'll make them. And so Jocelyn had this little list, 250, 300 people, and she emailed them and said, Hey, I'm going to make. An entire lesson pack for August, and if you buy, and she she basically said, "Here's what's going to be in it. Here's the buy button." And we made twenty six hundred dollars off that first email that we sent out that actually had a price tag on it. But we were on the hook now because we hadn't even made the thing yet. Like so, Jocelyn was like, "Crap! Now I've got to make twenty days of lessons." So she goes out and makes the first twenty days of lessons. And but about a week out from September, Jocelyn said, "Hey, who wants September?" And this time we made. $3,500. Thirty five hundred dollars. What? So she makes September and then she makes October, November, Jane. You know, she just starts making it month after month. But the list is growing. All of this is happening as in real time as we bit it. But the, at the end of that first year, you know, Jocelyn has a full year of lesson plans. And the next year, and this is all evergreen content. She doesn't have to make lessons the next year because it's like mine, Abraham Lincoln will always be the sixteenth president. I don't have to make that lesson again. Right? Right. So we put all this stuff into basically the whole pack into like a member area. And we were off to the races after that. It just absolutely exploded. So what happened was, it was 2000 3000 Somewhere around, I don't know, maybe March, April, or May, we made like $5,000. Then June was a little bit of a dip because all the schools stopped. And then in July, like, we did a back to school sale on that first year lesson plan. And we made $15,000 in July of 2013. And then in August of 2013, we made $36,000 in a single month. I'm a school teacher from Southeast Kentucky, Monica. That was my entire year's salary was $36,000, right? So all this money comes in and we had kind of talked about quitting our job. We had done a few things to kind of prepare for that because we saw that we were making enough money every month. We just wanted to make sure it would last. And we actually... In May of 2013, we sold our house. I had a 2,400 square foot house with an above ground pool. It was awesome. Nice neighborhood. And we sold that house and we downsized into a smaller house. It was like 1,800 square feet. And it been—it was like a house that had been built in the 30s and remodeled in the 70s. You know what I'm talking about? And this yeah. little old lady was moving into a nursing home and she sold it to us. And we moved in there so that we could half lower our bills right, to invest in the business and if we could get to the point where we felt comfortable, we would. it would be easier to quit. And we looked at each other in August when we made $36,000 and we said, let's do it. Let's quit. And then on September, I put in my resignation letter like on the 13th of September or something. And on September 27th of 2013, uh, we both quit our jobs on the same day. And we've been full time on the internet ever since. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: What an incredible journey. I mean... Oh, and yeah. just- <laughs> that
1: was just the first part. Like, I, was, like all yeah. the, the, this all happened so fast. It was like 13 months of make, from, from the day we made 11 cents. We walked in and quit our jobs. And it was awesome because it was the same office that principal told me I couldn't leave. You know what I'm what saying? What did you
0: do to celebrate that day? Did oh, you do anything do. to celebrate? No?
1: we did. No, we did nothing. I'll tell you what we did. <laughs> so like one of the most ho- horrible things that teachers have to do is professional development. And like, so there was, those are like eight hour PD days are terrible. You just sit and listen to someone read a PowerPoint for eight hours. So we planned it where we would leave on that day. So like, I was kind of like, we got up that morning, we both put on our robes and we were sitting on the couch. Jocelyn had a cup of tea, I had a cup of coffee and I looked over and went, is this real? And she's like, yeah, it is. And, I, and like, I was texting my friends and they were like, they were like texting me like I was the guy in Shawshank Redemption that escaped the prison. Like, I can't believe you quit today of all days. So I was like texting my friends and, and I mean, we basically just hung out at the house and like figured out what we were going to do next. I remember Jocelyn went out in the back and like threw a blanket down and like laid out and just read a book. It was like a beautiful fall day. You know, a little cool in the morning, but perfect in the afternoon. And um, yeah, we just hung out at the house, you know, and hung out with the kids and hung out with each other and like... Wow, this is pretty awesome. We get to pick every minute of the rest of our life. This is pretty cool.
0: So, did your friends and family were they skeptical of what you guys were doing to make all this money? Like, did they have concerns about you both quitting at your the same time? Like, what was oh, what was oh, yeah, that like? Yeah.
1: Well, my mom was mad, very angry when we told them. They knew we were doing something to make money online, but it was always, "What are you doing?" Like, is that legal? Like, like they said questions like that. Like, is that? Are you selling drugs? What's going on over here? And uh, my mom, when I, the day we we went over and told them that we were going to quit, and I walked into the kitchen, and my mom, I turned around, my mom was standing right there. I mean, like. She like ghosted in there. I don't even know where she came from. And like she backed me up against the wall and she was like, Shane Sams, you are being so irresponsible. You had a good job. You had health insurance. You had retirement and you have babies and you have lost your mind. You have flipped out. You have lost out. You've lost your mind. And she was really mad at me for a while, right? Until she realized everything was okay. And then I led a Sunday school group at the time of couples with small children. And so there was like 10 couples in this room. And the Sunday before we quit, we were like, Hey, you're going to hear this. But me and Jocelyn are both quitting our jobs this week. And because I I live in a small town, it's going to, word's going to travel, you know? And you would have thought that I had grown a second head and a tail right in the middle of the church because they, their jaws, I remember it was just dead silence for like a minute and a half. Nobody knew what to say. And like people were like, Are you getting divorced? (laughs) <laughs> right, like, like, did you do something, Shane, to get in trouble? Right, and I'm like, no, nah, man. Seriously, this is amazing. And like, nobody, most people, you know, there was a couple of people that were like, sweet, go for it. I have no clue what's going on, but I trust you. You know, and like, but most people were just like shaking their heads, scoffing, "You're crazy. This isn't real." They thought we had fell into some cult or MLM or something. You know, and no, nobody really got it. I tell you, when the question started is when we sold our house. That's when people were like, something's wrong, right? Because who sells their nice house with their above-ground pool in the nice cookie-cutter neighborhood, you know? Right, right. Uh, And and moves into an older, smaller house in you know not a bad part of town, but not as nice a part of town, you know? Right. And then when we quit, it was just like... I mean, the onion started peeling away because everybody just freaked out and didn't know what to say to us.
0: Okay. What has changed since then?
1: The whole business has changed. I mean, so... Even though 90% of people were like, what are you doing? Right? Some people were curious. Like they weren't asking in a scoffing way. They were like, wait, what are you doing? You know, does that that make sense? That got different that was? And like, so one person that came up to Jocelyn actually and said, hey, that's pretty cool. You guys are staying home. Like I would love to stay home and homeschool my daughter. Do you think I could do that? So Jocelyn looked at her friend. Her name was Lindsay. And she said, yeah, I mean, we can show you how to do this. So Jocelyn shows her, kind of gives her the cliff notes, speed ahead version of, hey, sell digital products in this format, in this way, to people who are looking for this content and you'll make money online. And just a couple months later, Jocelyn's friend, Lindsay, started making like over $1,000 a month. Right? And then so it was like, it was like an accelerated version of what we had done because she had someone to actually show her how to do it. And she goes out and she makes $1,000, 1500 and She starts making like really good money. Enough money where her and her husband made the decision that he would keep working, but she would stay home and homeschool her daughter. And we were just like, cool. That's awesome. Right. You know, we didn't think anything of it. And then one day after church, I was uh, heading back to the nursery, but there's like a, there's like a back hall. You can avoid the foyer where all the, there's like a big crowd. So I was going down this back hallway and fr- from the other direction came Lindsay's husband and he goes, Hey man, can I talk to you for a minute? And I'm like, sure buddy, what's going on? And they, he just stood there for a minute and he, about, like, had, he had like a tear in his eye. He's like about to cry. And I'm like, oh, are you okay? And he said, yeah, man. And he goes, I'm more than okay. I just wanted to let you know uh, what was going on. We've never really thanked you and Jocelyn for what you did for us. You know, Lindsay had a dream to stay home and homeschool our kids. And man, she gets to do that every single day. And that never could have happened on just my salary. And not only that, dude, like we just went to Florida a couple months ago. And I definitely couldn't have taken, man, it's been our dream to go down to Florida and take a vacation for a while. And we've never been able to save enough money to do it. And we, we were able to do that because of the money that she's making online. And, and you know, it's, it's been a dream come true, but not just for her, for me. I, I've always had a dream to go back to school and get my PhD and become a college professor. And I want you to know, man, like last week, I just enrolled. I'm going to start taking classes and I'm going to become a college professor. And um, I get a little choked up. But, um, so then at this point, I'm crying. You know, he he said, What you taught us changed our life. And then we bro hugged it out, and I was like, I love you, man. He's like, I love you, man. And, like, you know, then we walked on to get the kids and, you know, things like that. And, like, that dude is a college professor today, by the way. He teaches college. And, like, his wife is still at home, homeschooling their kids. And anyway, I get the kids. Jocelyn's meeting me in the car, you know, and we go, I get in the car, put the kids in the car, and I, And I tell her exactly what I just told you. And as we're driving home from church that day, this is about, this is 2014 sometime, early in 2014. I'm like, man, if what we figured out changed our lives and what we told JT and Lindsay changed their lives, like we could probably change other people's lives if they'll listen, right? So we should probably talk about this, shouldn't we? And then we had conversations like, what if Pat had never started his podcast? What if all these other people had never told anyone? They just kept it to themselves. Well, then our lives wouldn't have been changed. right? So so that's when we decided to launch a podcast. We said, hey, let's launch a podcast. We'll call it the Flip Lifestyle Podcast. And we called it that because my mom told me I'd flipped out. And i would lost my mind. And I was like, yeah, I kind of did. It was awesome. So we we actually took that name and we were getting ready to launch a podcast called the Flip Lifestyle Podcast. But I had been in email contact with Pat like for a while and because uh, this was back when you could still email pat like right now he has so many followers you can't even get a hold of him you know if you send it to him it's not going to him but like mm-hmm. then me and him i was literally giving him the play-by-play of all this and i was like man i just would love to thank pat in person well pat was having a 20 person mastermind it was a paid mastermind and it cost like it was a stretch it was like 500 bucks or something to go to it or something but we had to fly to san diego find childcare for the kids But i told jocelyn i said let's go and like, tell Pat our story. Let's just go thank him. So I bought a ticket to that event. And then I realized that each person that got an event got 15 minutes in a hot seat. So I mean, I bought a ticket for Jocelyn. So we both could go and we'd get 30 minutes. <laughs> so, like, so we bought two tickets. We found childcare somehow. I don't even remember what happened. We had it split between grandparents. We flew to San Diego and uh, stayed for four or five days to enjoy it. And then we went to this thing. And I told Pat, I didn't even ask a question for 30 minutes, I just, you know, used the entire time to tell him, hey man, look what we've done. And now we're gonna start like helping other people. And like, so Pat had us on his podcast and I was like, holy crap, how is this happening? And this was right when he was really blowing up. I mean, he was interviewing people like Gary Vee and Tim Ferriss and bigger guests were coming on and we were kind of sandwiched in there, this, you know, couple from Kentucky. And it really, really like resonated with people. And we launched our podcast right after that we started building a following and we launched a community where we teach people how to do what we do. And that has just grown exponentially ever since. And it got so big there for a while we were being very overwhelmed because we still had elementarylibrarian.com. We still had ushistoryteachers.com. I had launched a football playbook site to sell playbooks, right? And we had Flip Lifestyle and Flip Lifestyle was growing. And in 2017, we actually decided to sell Elementary Librarian. We had an investment company from Canada uh, they bought up education sites. So we actually sold that business for over a million dollars. This is three years, like four years later. Like, I'm like, what? What is happening? Like, I, you know, like, and um, so we did that so that we could go full time into Flip Lifestyle. We could go full time into helping people, you know, find their 100 people to pay them $50 a month to make 60 grand a year, find their God given talents and experiences and use them to build, you know, an online business so that they could change their life, they could change their families. Future, they could change their family tree, they could, you know, leave an inheritance to their children's children. Like all of that became this mission in our life after um, we actually sold that business. So that's really what we do most of the time. Now we still own multiple businesses, but we kind of have people helping us do them. And um, we focus most of our time teaching people how to start membership sites of Flip Lifestyle.
0: I love it. Gosh, thank you for sharing all of that. That's an incredible, incredible story.
1: I'm trying to squeeze it all in here, but I tell you, <laughs> there's so many things in between I've left out. Like I look around someday and like I don't even know what's happening. Some still, It still feels well, weird, you know?
0: I also know you're still not in the 1800 square foot house.
1: No, I'm not. I, it's funny. So once the community realized that we were okay, and not just okay, like upgrading cars, taking vacations, like something was going on there. I was still in that 1800 square foot house and I'm a conservative dude. Like I just want to save my money and not waste money. And you know, so we were just like saving money and you know, paying off stuff and whatever. And my buddy uh, is a realtor and he walked up to me one day and he said, hey man, how long are you gonna live in that little house? And I'm like, as long as Jocelyn will let me. (laughs) And uh, he's like, nah, seriously, if you were looking for a house, what would you be looking for? And I said, well, you know, I'd love a little water. Like if I had a little pond or something, I'd love to be able to wake up in the morning and, you know, go out back on the back porch and watch the fog come up, you know, in the fall while I'm drinking my coffee. But that'd be just a little, you know, little water. And he goes, I know where there's a little water. I said, you do? he goes, yeah, let me take you out and look at this house. So I get in the car with him. That's never get in the car with a realtor. That's a bad mistake. You're (laughs) going to be buying a house. Okay. And uh, so he drives me out in the middle of nowhere And I've been out here before, but I didn't know the area. You know, it's kind of out in the country a little bit, just outside of town, about nine, 10 minutes. And um, we turn the corner and this huge 10-acre lake opens up before us. And it's surrounded by forest and trees. There's no, you can't see another human being out here. And uh, man, it was just the perfect day to go look at it too. It was blue skies, white clouds, sun shining down like a beacon. And right beside this 10-acre lake was this house, this big brick house. And then uh, off to the side was this like huge barn and whatever. I don't even know. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? He goes, goes, I told you I knew where there was some water. I said, you said a little water. And uh, and, uh, anyway, what happened was this house had just come for sale, but it was just so different than everything out here in in this area like nobody even knew how to comp it or price it right and this guy was like either going to lose it or sell it and it was a big complicated like mess but it was just such a beautiful place and um anyway long story short he walks me in takes me upstairs and we walk out it's got a balcony looking over overlooking the lake and uh, he told me the price and i was like dang man that's not bad and I went home and talked to Jocelyn about it, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm really good at talking Jocelyn into doing crazy things. You know what I'm saying? And like like quitting our jobs and starting all my businesses. So but I, this was the hardest sell for sure. But I was like, we need to go after this. This is really cool. And we had this really long negotiation. And now we live in a 4,800 square foot house. It's exactly double the house that we sacrificed to quit our jobs. Like we gave up that house. It was 2,400 square feet, and it had a 24 foot above ground pool. And we traded it for 40 acres, a 4,800-square-foot house, and a 10-acre lake that we ride skis in. <laughs> so, wow. like, yeah, like, I grew up lower middle class. Like, I lived in a small house with five brothers, you know? Like, I'm talking one floor, your bunk bed in it, like, there's not enough room for everybody kind of house, you know? And uh, my parents were really awesome. They did a great job. But, like, you know, just, I didn't grow up like this. So, like, even to sit here and look around, it's like, it's still bizarre, you know but it's it just shows what's possible with the internet and what's possible with an idea and what's possible when you try and you put yourself out there and if you screw up and fail you don't take it personally you just take what you've learned and rebuild something else and then maybe you have to do that a couple times before you find your thing that works and is stable and is predictable and you feel comfortable with your family but like really anything is possible like it's you just have to find a hundred people. Like if you find a thousand people to pay eighty-five dollars a month for your business, that's a million dollars a year, right? And there's four billion people on the internet. So it's not the math works if you'll just put yourself out there and, and try something.
0: Love it. Gosh. And I've seen, well, so we've chatted on Zoom. I've seen your videos on social media of like your gorgeous landscape. And so if you want to, you know, go check out their social media. Just to right. see these Instagram videos. at list and we'll see
1: some pics. I'm t- I take a picture every morning, so yeah. At yeah, a little, but I mean, little social media marketing thrown in right here, you know.
0: Congratulations! I mean, that's an incredible story. I love the change that it's created for your family and quality of life. But then also, I know that you've got a community now of thousands of people who you are helping. To build their businesses too, and specifically building memberships. So, can you share? I mean, obviously, we've seen through your story what memberships have done for you, but what are the benefits of starting a membership in the online world?
1: Yeah, I think what we've learned, because we, we've seen it all, we've sold some high ticket stuff, we've sold some course stuff, we've done a little bit of everything now, right? And nothing compares to memberships. It's just not even close. Like, I say it over and over again, but you really do just need 100 people to pay you $50 a month to make $60,000 a year. If you have 200 people, that's six figures, right? And the problem with any other business model that we found, like for example, the problem that we have with maybe like a coaching model where you have like 10 people that pay you a really high ticket price. Well, if you lose three people, you know, we know during the coronavirus pandemic, we know people that lost half their coaching portfolio. And it nearly destroyed them. Because it's only a few people leave, it disrupts everything that you do. And like the if you're selling with some thousand dollar course through a funnel or whatever, like what if you have a feast or famine month where nobody buys the course? And we see that happen all the time. And there's so much stress built into that. Like the next launch has to work. And if it doesn't work, you're out of business, right? right. But the membership model is totally different. Like if you put your content in a member area. Right. And if you create a mechanism of leadership where you're there for your people and you create a mechanism where they can connect with each other and you build a community, well, all of a sudden people don't want to quit. Well, one, they're not paying a thousand dollars a month. They're paying 50 bucks a month. Right. Two, their friends are in there. Three, you're in there. Right. And then all that content is spelled out for them in a nice, easy to follow blueprint right? And it creates this stable, predictable income. And all you have to do every single month is maybe replace a few people that quit. So if you have 100 members and nine quit, well, I only have to go sell 10 and my company grows, right? And it and eventually, you start learning, man, the average customer might stay 10 months. Hmm. That means if I got 100 people paying me $50 a month, I can pretty much predict the average member is going to stay 10 months. I can look ahead a little bit. I can breathe a little easier. Everything is not so stressful, right? And all I have to do is replace a few people every month and keep my community happy and be the leader that they need and and create friendships within the community and add a little new content here and there. And you just create this stability and predictability that lets you go hire people, that lets you go invest in ads, that lets you try to do some new things. And it's just such an easier way to do business. Like I get up every day and I usually don't even start until 10 o'clock. Right, I don't have to. It's okay. I had 10 renewals last, month, last night. I'm going to be fine. I've already made money before I even woke up this morning. And then I'm going to go and do a few things for three to four hours to keep the fire burning. And then I'm going to go do whatever I want. And that's just not possible when you're living launch to launch. It's not possible when you're a time for dollars service-based business. It's not possible when you're desperately trying to get someone into your funnel to buy the next course. All I got to do is sell a few more memberships every single month and I'm going to continue to grow. So... Of all those things that we've tried, it's the most stable, it's the most predictable, it's the lowest energy, you have the most control over your life, right? And it just makes it easier. And coming from a background of security, like I had a paycheck, right? I got a raise every once in a while, you know what I mean? I had retirement, I had this, that, and the other. But now, it's so predictable and so good, I get to give myself a raise every day. If I got 100 members, and I sell two more members tomorrow... I just got a hundred dollar raise. When was the last time anybody got a hundred dollar raise? They asked their boss, right? But what if I do that every day and I get a three thousand dollar a month raise or a four thousand dollar a month raise? Or last week we renewed like something like nine thousand dollars a month in new revenue last week off of a trial promotion we did. So, like the month before, so it's like it, you can't do that with anything else, and really. I believe the whole internet game is changing and everybody's moving toward this. It's why you're seeing HBO launch a subscription service. It's why you see Disney Plus release a subscription service. People are seeing smaller amounts, longer-term customer, keep everybody happy, keep your community growing is a much better way of uh, creating an income online.
0: So. What are some of the myths of creating a membership because I know that just in you know conversations we've had that some people are like, "Oh, well, but I don't want to have to, you know, pump out content, new things every single month." What do you say to people like that?
1: Yeah, so that's the biggest myth is that you have to have a ton of content, right? The way that you mitigate that and you eliminate it from your business is this. You know, most people who lead a community, they they know something, they're teaching something, they're doing something, they're providing a service, or whatever. of the things you tell everybody are going to be the same. It's going to be evergreen. There's going to be nuance from person to person who needs your support or help. That's okay. You're going to create your content based around that 80% that's evergreen. That's the same thing that everybody's going to ask and is always going to be the same thing. That's where your content comes from in that community. You stick that in there and then you fill in that other 20% through uh discussions, through communication, either in your forums or your Facebook groups with your members, right? If somebody asks a question and nobody knows the answer, they can all talk about it and figure out a solution, right? Or through leadership. You can either do leadership live where you have Q&As or you can have people on your team who can go in and answer questions and point people to the right information. You don't have to add content all the time. I have not added a single course other than a random video of a question answered into the Flip Your Life community since like 2015, right? Because I stopped in 2015 and said, what are all of the evergreen components to what we teach? We'll handle the rest within conversations inside the community, right? So that's the first myth is you got to create a lot of content. I don't have to, I don't have to do that. If you do your content correctly, like in my history site, it's all done. I'll never have to make it again, except every year we might pay someone to add a new course because a year happened. You have to teach that year, right? So you're just, you can add content slowly, but you don't have to do it all the time. The second myth that I always get is, God, but it's so hard to run a membership. It takes so much energy to run a membership. And I'm always like, yeah, you clearly have never done a course launch. (laughs) right? You clearly have never tried to go network and find your next client. Because compared to that, it's almost absolutely no energy at all. Our entire community is built right now, uh, the Flip Your Life community, on two member calls a month with me and Jocelyn. We actually answer our members' questions. We show up. We lead. And those are about an hour, hour and a half. So that's three hours, right? And then Jocelyn and I will check our community. Uh, we do our community in a forum where people you know, go in old school, ask a question, a bunch of people answer. We check those forums probably you know, three times a week, maybe an hour at a time, just to make sure that nobody needs help. We have team members now that go in and support that for us too on the other days. And then you do a little customer service. I mean, you literally can run a membership of 1,000 people in two to three hours a day. And if you've got 1,000 people paying you $50 a month, it's $50,000 a month. And it's not that much energy, right? So the myth of the energy is what always kills me and how much time it takes to run a membership. It's much less time than selling courses or coaching or eat physical products. I can't even imagine how much more time it would take to do like a subscription box or an actual product uh, compared to some kind of content-based membership site. But even that could probably be uh, eased out. So those are the two Biggest ones. Another one is like the cost of running a membership. Like people think you've got to have all this high tech wizardry and software and all that. No, most of the platforms nowadays can easily run a membership. You just need a place to keep your content. You need a place to have conversations and you need a place to hang out with them live, like Zoom or something like that. If you can do those three things, you can build a membership pretty much around anything. We've built memberships. We've seen people build memberships around every possible scenario. So that's another myth, I guess, is well, that won't work for me. I beg to differ. <laughs> like I've seen people do it.
0: Can you talk to us about like some of the what if people think, you know, I don't know if people are going to want consistent content from my niche, from my industry, from the topic that I teach. This is more of like a one and done type of scenario. Do you encounter that with people in your communities who have maybe, you know, successfully created memberships on surprising niches?
1: Yeah. Like people come for the content Right? They come for your courses. That's what that's how you draw people in, right? You know, you put out there, hey, I've got a cool course that can show you how to do this thing, or I've got something going on, or I'll teach you how to do this thing. So people come for courses, but people stay for people, right? They stay because they are surrounded by a community of human beings in the same area, in the same space, feeling and thinking the same way. They don't want to leave that community. They stay for leadership. You know, most people don't even care if you give them an answer. They just care that you hear them ask the question. You know? And like, if you can create that kind of vibe around your courses, you'll never have to create a course again because that's not why... They're there. Like, if you build a business around content, your business is going to go out of business because all content is free somewhere on the internet. Everything you teach, Monica, everything I teach, everything anybody teaches is probably being taught somewhere, and you can probably get it for free or you can pull some shenanigans and get it for free. Right. So, like, the content is just the door. You're trying to build a movement, a community, leadership around that content. That's how you like keep people staying. So, it doesn't even matter if your content runs out right? Like my content, like if a a teacher goes through my content and they teach it every day in their classroom for US history teachers or back when we had elementary librarian, well, they're eventually going to download all the content. But why do they stay month after month and year after year? Because we have a place where we share funny memes and we talk about being history teachers. And, you know, this is made by history teachers for history teachers. Like it feels... It's a community, right? It's a feeling. That's why all the elementary librarians loved it. They're alone in their school. And they don't have anybody to talk to. They're the only librarian. But if you join the elementary librarian community, you get to hang out with librarians. You get to do member calls. You get to go watch videos and someone understands you. You're heard, right? So that's how you want to build a community around your content. And that's why people stay month after month and year after year if you keep providing that community for them. And here's what's cool. Most people Right? You don't have to be totally involved in this. You don't have to always be present. I did an event last year. We, it's called Flip Your Life Live, and we have 100 of our members. We sell 100 tickets to it, and we all go to a city like in the South, like Lexington or Nashville or somewhere like that. And we meet and have like a Flip Your Life family reunion, right? And you, know, you would think that me and Jocelyn were like the celebrities in there, right? Like we're the stars. You know, we're on stage, we're, the, we're running the show, we run the community, we do this. Well, the first night we have this working dinner where we all eat together, but we're all working on the stuff we learned that day. And me and Jocelyn walked in and nobody even noticed. <laughs> like they were just like talking to each other, having a good time, hanging out with their friends from the community that they had never met in person. And like we, we saw the community take over. Does that make sense? And eventually your community will just be like a dynamo where it's feeding itself. And you don't even have to be right in the forefront of every single thing that's happening in your community. If you do that, people don't quit. They just won't quit ever.
0: I love that. I mean, i just thinking about my experience and the communities that I'm a part of, you know, online that I definitely, you know, early on, digested all the content as much as I could. But then the reason that I'm still a part of those communities is because of the connections I've made and that I would feel like I was missing out if I was no longer a part of it.
1: Well, it's like me and Monica and I met at a live event that I spoke at. Right? Yeah. And like... So we, we met at that event. And how many live events do you go to now? Because you go to a lot of live events. So do I. That's why I'm bringing this up. Like, How many times do you go to a live event, you don't even go to the content sessions anymore? You don't even go to the speeches. You just go because right. everybody's there. You might sit in the back and talk to somebody and you might go get a coffee, and you might eat lunch and you're there. But it's not about the content. It's about the people.
0: Right. And
1: if you can create your membership and shift... The courses is where you focus your marketing. But you focus your energy on the community. If you can if you can build that community, people won't quit. They just won't do it.
0: Okay. So round marketing, how do we bring in members? First when we're starting, and then how do we continue over the long term to bring in new members?
1: The membership marketing funnel is different. You have to think about it differently. So like, you know, normally it's like discovery, you know, eat the content, <laughs> come into the membership as whatever, right? Like or like, buy your course, right? But you have to think a little bit more holistically about a funnel for a membership. So, the first thing we have to do is we start just like every other funnel at discovery. We've got to get our stuff in front of people. And then we've got to turn that attention into an audience of some kind, right? So, we spend a lot of our time on our podcast. We want people to discover us and like us. But we, you know, the very first email I send out in my funnel is go, you know, follow us on Facebook and listen to the podcast, right? Very first email if you opt in for anything. So, we want to take that attention. And turn it into an audience. But then we got to turn that audience, right, into a member. So that's like the sales funnel part of it. We want to offer the first step of what they really need to learn, right? Like we're running ads right now toward your idea. We want you to, hey, you know about us. Hey, you're paying attention to us. Maybe you're even part of our audience, but we want you to join our email list, right, and be a subscriber. Then we want to turn those subscribers into members. But that's not it. That's where people actually fail at memberships is they think, Oh, I got members. I've got my 100 people paying me $50 a month. right? But you have to turn your members into that community and your funnel must reflect that. Like Everything that happens after they become a member is about making them a part of the community, making them feel heard, making them feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. So we spend a lot more of our time on Keeping members than we probably do on even getting members, right? And that's, I think, you know, some people make a sale, it just goes away. That's how most sales funnels work. Oh, on to the next person, right? But I want to create a forever customer. You can go get your 997 sale, but I have people in the Flip Your Life community with LTV over $30,000, you know, because they pay every month. They buy everything new we put out. They have multiple subscriptions (laughs) with us, they buy our live event tickets. And like, that's what we're really trying to like increase. So if you can take someone from Discovery. And they can discover you. And then you get their attention. And then you turn them into an audience member. And then you turn that audience into an email subscriber. And then you turn that subscriber into a paying member. But then you turn your paying members into a community. Then you've created a funnel where you can not only make sales, you can create forever customers that just keep paying you all the time.
0: Love it. So with retention, it sounds like the community is where you focus your time. And that helps with the retention. Are there any other... Retention strategies, any other ideas other than, you know, keep them engaged and keep them participating?
1: You know, the member calls are usually enough. Most people, if they have one member call a month, that's enough to re, it's more like re engaging. Like people are going to come into your community and they're not going to do anything for a week or two. Then they're going to remember it. They're going to come back in, right? Like, so usually just a member call a month is usually good enough for engagement. We also do a lot of reminder sequences to highlight things that are in the community. So we'll have like, you know, like maybe twice a month we will highlight a course, right? Like, oh, have you, have you taken this course? Or like maybe there's a really good conversation going on. You know, you log in one day and there's a comment and like someone asked a question and like 15 members have chimed in. Well, you'll send a link to that post to your, you know, members. Say, hey, there's a really good discussion going And that'll draw people back in. So it's kind of a, you know, cross between like evergreen, you know, these are always the good things we want to promote. Plus what's happening in the community here and there for that retention. But engagement with each other is the main place you got to focus like in a membership. Now it's weird though, our history website, the elementary librarian was more like that. It was more community driven. The history website is very content driven, right? So we focus most of our stuff on that, on our content because we have the curriculum. Like I know what people are teaching most of the time um, because most people, you know, that are teaching history follow the same exact curriculum. They start here, they end here, right? 1776, there was a country where are we are now, right? You can you can kind of follow along. Like most people teach World War II in January. That's just when it happens. Most people teach Civil War, you know, at a certain time of the year, depending on what grade it is. So, we kind of tailor that more to that, but you still frame it in a way like, man, everybody's teaching Civil War right now, and here's what they're using, right? And you, and you make them feel like they're a part of a group, they're part of a community, and Like, we'll do things like on our Facebook page. Like, what are you teaching now to calibrate and make them see that they're not alone? So that one probably is a little more, it's like 60-40 content versus the community. Whereas Flip Lifestyle is more like 80-20. You know, like you're not alone. People are here to help you kind of deal. So you have to find that balance for sure. But as long as you're highlighting stuff once a week, as long as you're doing a member call once a month, I know someone that does one once a quarter, you know, you're just kind of re-engaging with your people every once in a while, then you're pretty good with your retention.
0: So what kinds of niches, a variety of niches? I know you've got, I mean, surprising niches of your members, your students who are creating their own membership sites. Can you just share some of the more, you know, obscure off the wall <laughs> topics yeah. that people are creating membership sites around?
1: Oh God, I have so many. Are you sure you want to go down to this rabbit hole? Okay. I,
0: I want to so, hear a few. I'll
1: tell you my three favorite. Okay. All right, so here's my three. Fa- now we've got the standard gamut of niches. Like, you know, you, we've got people who are doing some coaching. We've got people who are doing some biz opportunity. We've got, you know, we've got other educators in other spaces, right? Like we've got an English teacher or whatever, right? So we've got like other things that you see in other like courses. But then we've got all these wild niches. Like this one guy, I did a meetup in San Diego and I sent an all call Like, Hey, we're going to be in San Diego. Who wants to come to a meetup? And this guy got, I do, man. I go, cool, what do you do? And he goes, I raise chickens. I'm like, what? He goes, Yeah, man. He goes, I love raising chickens in my backyard in San Diego, California. And I started doing a little magazine about raising backyard chickens. And people liked it. And I would and they would sign up for it and he would email them this thing and you know, whatever. It was like it was just how to raise backyard chickens in a city. And he's like, then I heard your podcast and I joined the community and I was like, I wonder if I could create a membership about this. And lo and behold, I did, man. I got over 100 people that pay me every month to send them this email newsletter and tell them how to raise backyard chickens. That's all he does. He has a podcast about raising chickens. He has a membership where he has member calls about, oh, what do you do if the egg turns brown? You know, like whatever you can think of. (laughs) I don't even know what it is. Like, what if your neighbors kill your chickens? You know, whatever. I was just thinking of the craziest scenarios. Like that's what he does. He has a member call. He has a podcast and he talks about raising chickens. Okay. Um, On our podcast just last week, uh, we interviewed a guy, Jason Guyman. So we talked to this guy named Jason Guyman. He's a blue collar, six foot two. He's like me, he's halfway redneck guy from Kentucky. He's from Northern Kentucky, right? And like, and he came to Flip Your Life Live last year. He joined the community last summer. When he came to Flip Your Life Live, he had no members. He barely knew what he was going to do online. So this was only about nine months ago that we're talking about this. And he goes, yeah, man, I'm a pressure washer. I was like, you're a pressure washer? He goes, yeah, I've built a good living for my family as a pressure washer. Um, we built a nice client base up and you know, I really learned how to run a business about pressure washing, really blue collar job. And he was like, I'm going to sell this business to a young guy and I want to start a membership where I help other people <laughs> become pressure washers, which you wouldn't think would be the go-to opportunity, right? You know what I'm saying? It's real blue collar, real physical, but there's a lot of people around, you know, that they don't even know the chemicals to put in the thing to be a good pressure washer. So he starts a membership about pressure washing. He starts a YouTube channel The dude starts building a following. We create a launch sequence. And now this dude is making, I think he said $16,000 a month with like almost 200 members. And all he's doing is talking to old boys doing pressure washing, real blue collar all the way across the country, right? So this is blue collar, white collar, weird collar, chicken collar, whatever collar you can come up with. That's what's happening in the Flip Your Life community. We've got this other girl. Her name is Teresa Perleyberg. She's been on our podcast too. Our podcast is different. Like, I don't really talk to a lot of experts on the Flip Lifestyle Podcast. What we do is we look for people in our community who are either right on the verge of doing something good or just getting started or have a success story. We bring them on our podcast and we basically give them an hour coaching call. Right, So I get to talk to my members basically every single week. This lady's name is Teresa purley Bird. She is a sheep farmer from North Dakota. And she came into the community and we were like, what do you do? She's like, I'm a sheep farmer. I'm like, okay, what else do you do? Well, I shave the sheep. And get their wool. What do you do with the wool? She goes, I do needle felting, which is kind of like knitting. And I turn them into little stuffed animals. And she sent me a picture and there's like a little giraffe. I'm like, what? Okay. What What do you want to do? She's like, I don't know. I just think other people might want to needle felt and turn sheep wool into animals. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we start this up. She starts this membership and her membership got so big. She started blogging about what she was doing. She started doing YouTube videos about Shearing sheep. And she was out on the farm in the winter, you know, in North Dakota, shearing the sheep. And she started building a little following. We launched her membership. And she last year did over $250,000 teaching people how to shear sheep and sew them into stuffed animals. And their business has grown so much that they bought a school in North Dakota because their people are flying to North Dakota. Her community is flying to North Dakota... And they've created a retreat center in an old elementary school where they do sheep shearing summits, (laughs) basically, right? And it's like, all she did was create like five courses to learn how to do five stuffed animals. There's not much content in her thing, but she built a community. She led the community around this thing. And the internet let her find all the other sheep shearing sensationalists all over the planet to come and follow her and her community and be a part of that. So like these people are now united by this hobby. And I'm sure that most of you don't have a sheep shearing neighbor that's needle felting stuffed animals next door to you. But she found the one here, the one here, the one here. She created hundreds of membership and and she built this thing. And we've got all kinds, I mean, it just runs the gamut. There's a girl named uh, Rebecca Decker. She has an amazing business called Evidence Based Birth. Uh, It's evidencebasedbirth.com and she was a nurse and a college professor, and she was really disappointed with the birth experience for parents in the hospital system. So she started a website where she started researching the best ways to birth a baby. And now she has over a thousand doulas, nurses, and midwives in her community. And she teaches them the most up-to-date, best information on helping parents birth babies. So every year, she's helping over a thousand birth professionals birth 10,000 babies all because she decided to start a membership community about something she was doing already, which was researching all of this stuff. So, I mean, I've seen accountants. Brad Barrett, you know who Brad Barrett is? Oh, yes. Choose FI, the podcast. Brad Barrett was an accountant and he joined the Flip Your Life community and he said, Man, I just want to make enough money to quit my job and pick my kids up off the school bus. I was like, we can do that. So he starts this membership about teaching people how to go to Disney World for free basically like using credit card points, right? And his is a great example because his stuff, uh, his content was totally free. He just let you have the content, right? And he built a business that let him and his wife quit their job and then uh, go into podcasting and doing what they're doing today. So like it just works for everything. Pressure washers, accountants, sheep shearing, stuffed animal makers, nurses, like everybody that we've seen that went all in on it has created this membership model uh, for themselves that's created a whole new life and future for their family.
0: Wow. Gosh. I love all of those stories. And these are just... I mean, I love your podcast too. Because first of all, you and Jocelyn are both great coaches. And so I get a lot out of listening to your coaching sessions. I do
1: have a master's degree in teaching. I kind of cheated. Like Jocelyn, yeah, I, the pe- People always say that. We're like, you're such good teachers. And I'm like, yeah, we did that for a while. So we kind of know <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> yeah.
0: So but then also, I mean, you get to hear of these everyday people who are changing their lives and the lives of their communities by building these businesses and these memberships. So... Gosh, this has been so wonderful. Is there anything that we missed today in our conversation, Shane?
1: I think you touched on it real quick right there is the membership also does something else. It allows you to have a true mission that impacts people in the world. Um, I tell this everywhere I go, every podcast, every stage I get on. I try to tell this story. Um, I read an amazing quote one time where a reporter asked Mother Teresa, do you really think that you can change the world? And she kind of like laughed at him. And she said, no, but I can pick up my stone and cast it out upon the waters and cause many ripples. And that really hit me in the soul all the way back from that first moment that we picked up our rock and threw it and that ripple hit JT and Lindsay and we helped them change their family's future. And we kept picking up our rock every single day and throwing it and helped, you know, Teresa and Jason and Rebecca and Brad and all these other people. And even when someone writes in and says, "Man, I got to go home and go to my kids' ball game instead of making lesson plans last night," right? A membership lets you impact the world like no other online business. Like you can sell courses and they might watch it. You can do some coaching and maybe maybe impact a few people, right? But you could literally build a membership of a thousand people and help them move the needle forward. Uh, with whatever their mission is. And that's a really, really like empowering thing. It makes you get up every day. And even when there's stuff you don't want to do, you know somebody needs you. You know you've got that responsibility. And you know you're really, truly like helping people out there, whether they're raising chickens or pressure washing or starting membership sites. And you know, I would encourage anyone that ever listens to this, whatever you're doing, add a membership to it. You'll get so many more benefits on the heart level that even if you don't get the exact money benefits, which you will it'll be totally worth it. And that's why we love the membership model so much.
0: Love it. Thank you so much. So everybody should check out the podcast. Say the name of the podcast again. And then where else should people follow you?
1: Um, You can check out every week the Flipped Lifestyle Podcast. Um, We talk to a new member every single month. You can also check us out on the Membership Masters Podcast where I talk to other membership professionals. We talk to people. We talk to the huge success stories in our uh, community. There are people with 3,000, 10,000 members. And uh, talk about those million dollar memberships. And um, anywhere on social media, we're usually at Flipped LS or over on Facebook. You can just type in Flipped Lifestyle and you'll
0: find us. Love it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Shane. Really appreciate your time today and sharing all these amazing stories and your journey to success and helping others. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. And did we flourish? That's all I want to know. <laughs> did we flourish today? Did we help people flourish?
0: <laughs> I think we definitely helped people flourish.
1: I think we did. I think we did.
0: Well, I hope that we helped you flourish today. I want to thank Shane once again for joining me on the podcast today and sharing his story and his wisdom with us. I always love chatting with Shane and you should definitely check out both of his podcasts, the Flipped Lifestyle Podcast with his sweet wife, Jocelyn, and his brand new podcast called Membership Masters. Shane and I would love to hear your biggest takeaways and your favorite parts of this interview. So please share those with us in the comments at monicalouis.com slash 61, or you can tag us on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica and Shane is at Flipped LS. And you can find all the links and resources that Shane and I mentioned in this episode at monicalouis.com slash 61. Thank you so much for joining Shane and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist. So you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouis.com WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned I'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, and you can find those at monicalouis.com slash 61. If you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. It truly helps get the podcast found by more people. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another inspiring interview heading your way. My guest is on a mission to help more people become mindful millionaires sounds good to me. And I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Please join us for next week's episode of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish.